17. I'm going to read down through verse number 23. And, uh, and then we're going to reference others uh, as we go along. But uh, if you're able, it's custom for our house as we stand for the reading of the word. If you're not able, please do not feel uh, obligated to do so. But if you're able, we would say thank you for doing so. We find in Exodus chapter number 33, beginning in verse number 17. Just going to dive right into this. I've got a lot I want to share with you today. If the Lord would help us, and I'm mindful of the time this morning also. But uh, I feel like that the Lord wants to speak to our hearts this morning. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Isn't that a wonderful thing to hear? I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou cannot see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me. Oh, I love that too. And thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass while my glory passes by that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock. I think we just heard a song simply saying that you are mine. And will cover thee with my hand while I pass by, and I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. For a few moments this morning, I want to preach, if the Lord would help us, on the goodness of God, as well as this statement, Lord, show me your glory. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for your word and its anointing. We thank you for the privilege to stand this morning before the people of God. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint this vessel. Lord, let me speak in the manner where there would be demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit that lives would forever be transformed and changed. We'll give you the praise and the glory for it. The church says amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. The goodness of God. How many knows this morning he's good? Won't you help me tell a couple of neighbors around you and say, you know what, my God's good. I, I, I don't know about yours, but my God is good. He woke me up this morning. He's good. He put breath in my lungs this morning. He's good. He let me have the ability to get out of bed and to walk and I have to tell you, my God is good. He gave me the, um, the mind this morning to be able to go on and uh, to dress myself and to get myself ready to be in the house of the Lord. My, my God is good this morning. Uh, can I tell you, he gave me the ability uh, to walk and to function and to move uh, in a manner where this morning uh, where I have to give him a proclamation that God, if this is the last day on earth that you give me you're still good amen so when, when we come to this understanding we have to realize that if he is good uh, then why is it that we would want to find ourselves any place other than where he is because how many knows where he is uh, there is fullness of joy 
So this morning when I began to look at this passage of Scripture over the last few days, I, and I began to just spend time alone with the Lord, Moses found himself in a situation in which he realized nothing else mattered if the Lord wasn't with him. Can I tell you today, nothing else matters if the Lord isn't with us this morning. You can obtain everything that the world has to offer, but if you don't have the Lord, it is not worth anything. Please hear me. Exodus 33, we see that the Lord, and let me give us a little background to what we just read together this morning, is we find that the Lord is refusing to go with the children of Israel due to their attitude and their rebellious spirit. If you were to read Exodus chapter number 32, you would find that Moses had been up in the mountain for 40 days. He'd been along with the Lord. They didn't know what had happened to him. They thought he had died. And they began to talk to Aaron, and they said, Aaron, uh, he's not coming back. We don't know where he's at. We don't know what's happened to him. But at the same time, we want to worship the Lord. But we find that they began to get themselves involved in something that, that God will never bless. And that is this. They reverted back to that which they had known according to the custom that they just got out of. And they began to build and erect a golden calf. Now... Can I tell you, it doesn't matter what kind of intentions you have, God will not bless something that is not sanctioned by him. And we find that it was not sanctioned by him. And therefore, they began to build this golden calf, and they find themselves in a state of, uh, of idol worship. Uh, and we find that in this moment of time, the Lord begins to speak to the man up on the mountain and says, you better get down there. He said, those people done lost their mind. I'm paraphrasing this morning. I'm using the Ron version this morning for the sake of time. He said, you better get down there. They have done lost their mind. They are self-corrupting. Uh, and then we get down there, and young Joshua's with him. He said, man, I hear a sound down there. I sound a war. And he said, no, you're not hearing right. That's not a war. That's not a sound of victory. That's not a sound of war. That is a, that is a sound that should not be arising out of that camp at this moment. And we find that upon his return... He got down there, and you know the story, if you've read any at all, that, that time up in the mountain with the Lord, there had been two stones that had been engraved by the finger of God, and in, in Moses' anger, he drops them and throws them down, and they're busted, and all of these things is transpiring. But we find that when you get over to chapter 33, the Lord simply says this, y'all are a stiff-necked people. That's what he says. Now, that's not me paraphrasing. That's what he said. Chapter 33, verse number 1, the first few verses, he said, listen, I'm going to let the angel of the Lord go with you. I'm going to let him go and fight before you. I'm going to let you still have the land of promise that I said you could have, but I'm not going with you. Now, that's a scary place to be, in my opinion, is when the Lord says, I'm going to give you the promise, but I'm not going with you. Now, listen, I'm thankful for his promises, but I'm not so concerned about the promise. I, I want his presence. Listen, I, I'm not so hung up on the gifts that, but listen, I want his presence. I want his power. I want him to be present in my life. And we find that when you begin to read through this, notice with me, Moses takes the tabernacle outside the camp. And he says, listen, y'all crazy. He said, I got to get back into where I can spend some time with the Lord. And we find in chapter 33, verse number 7, it says, Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and he called it the tabernacle of the congregation. It come to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out into the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. 
And it come to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all of the people rose up and stood every man in his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it come to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. Now, all of the people saw this cloudy pillar. Let me pause here for a moment just to remind you that when the children of Israel left Egypt, there was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, we know this, walking through Scripture, that that is representation, uh, 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 our word picture, if you will, of Christ leading them to the place of promise. So they did not move. If the cloud moved, they moved. If it didn't move, they stayed. If the pillar of fire moved, they moved. But if it stayed, they stayed. And we find that when he goes into the tabernacle, this cloud comes down out of the heavens uh, and comes and stands at the door, and Moses and the Lord begins to speak face to face. Now, all the people saw this and standing at the door of the tabernacle, and it says all the people rose and worshipped every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto a friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. He stayed and dwelled there. That's a message in itself. But in verse number 12, it says, Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. And thou hast also found, then you tell me that I found grace in your sight. But he says, now therefore I pray thee. This is just a friend talking to a friend. He said, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now thy way that I may know it. He says, show me what your heart is, Lord. He says, let me know what's in your heart, that I may find grace in thy sight. But then notice this. He says, and consider that this nation is thy people. He was simply saying, I know that you're angry. Because you have to realize the Lord simply said, I'm not going to go with you because if I go with you in the state that I'm in right now, I'm liable to consume you. And he did not want to consume them in a backslidden state. Please hear me. He goes on, he says, will you also consider that this nation is thy people? And notice verse 14. And he says this, Moses, my presence, that it, they shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Meaning, don't move us from this place if you're not going with us. For when shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? He said, Let it be marked today that in this moment of time, not only me, but these people that you call yours have found grace in your sight. He said, Is it not in that that thou goest with us so shall we be separated I and thy people from all the people that are upon the face of the earth and the Lord said unto Moses I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken for thou hast found grace in my sight and I know thee by name which brings me to our first reading this morning where then Moses says Lord show me thy glory which prompts the Lord to answer in verse 19, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. He didn't say some of my goodness, but he said, I will make all of my goodness pass before me. For the sake of time, we cannot read it this morning, but if you were to read 
Exodus chapter number 34, you would find that the next morning that the Lord kept his promise to the man of God. Because he told him, he said, get up tomorrow and come up into this mountain. And he said, I'm going to show you. And when you get to verse 5 and 6, it says, And the Lord descended in the cloud, and he stood with him there, and he proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Which brings me to this question this morning to every one of us in this room. Have you truly experienced his goodness? May I ask today, have we really truly experienced his goodness? May I say to us today that it is true that our God is good. In the midst of everything that's going on in our world today, even though man has disappointed and failed him throughout history, he still loves us. Since the fall of man in Genesis, all men, please hear me, have been brought forth in iniquity. Psalms 51 and verse number 5 says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. But even though we was brought forth in iniquity, the Lord did not abandon us. He did not cast us aside, but he loved us unconditionally so much that he refused to leave us in that condition stay with me this morning so he willingly and I want you to get this this morning so he willingly gave us his only son that we could experience life that which the blood of bulls and goats and lambs could not do, we know this, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, which takes away the sins of the world, was shed for you and I. Can I tell you today, he's good. John chapter 3, 16 and 17, many of you probably can quote it by memory this morning, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life for god sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved but that's not all my friend and this is where we really want to get today we know that after his death after his resurrection that things began to change in a very quick and dramatic fashion if you were to read throughout the New Testament of your Bible, you will find that after the resurrection of Christ that he showed himself for 40 days with many fallible proofs proving that he was the risen Savior. But before he ever went to the cross, before he ever went and stood in Pilate's hall, before he ever took the 39 stripes on his back, before he ever had a crown of thorns planted on his head, before they ever gambled for his robe, before they ever plucked the beard from his face, before they ever pierced his side, he had made some comments uh, that he wanted in individuals to understand. And that was this in John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18. He simply said this uh, when he speaks to his disciples and he said I will pray uh, that the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you 
forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and get this, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now, please hear me. You go a little further in John 15, 26, it says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture this morning, but I just want to lay a foundation. John 16, 7 and 8, Jesus says again, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Verse number 13 and 15 of that same chapter says, How be it, or however, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, What is all truth this morning? Let me pause here and just insert this. God is good. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. And he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. And all things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. Now, I want to pause there just for a moment. When you and I begin to think about the goodness of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God, it's really easy for us uh, to just focus and go back to John chapter 3, verse number 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Well, we can accept that and we embrace that and say, my salvation is hinged on that because of the sacrifice of Christ. And can I tell you, because of the goodness of God sending his Son, you and I can testify this morning uh, that we are saved and what does that really mean we bring that to a very basic understanding meaning this that I have been granted eternal life uh, through the grace of God by faith in God and therefore I do not have to worry about my eternal existence uh, because I know that after this life there is another life that I'm transitioning into uh, and it is life uh, where I will live with him for all eternity uh, because of not a good work that I've done, uh, but because of my faith in his son Jesus Christ uh, and the sacrifice that he made. Uh, Can anybody celebrate that and say, I'm glad that he is a good God uh, that would give me his son, uh, that even while I was far from him, uh, he has made a way of escape for me. Because can I remind you, every one of us in this room, uh, we owed a debt that we could not pay, uh, but he willingly paid it for us. Now, we can get excited about that, but I have to go a little further because, can I tell you, that is not where it ends, but that is where it begins. Uh, Because the word of the Lord then comes through Jesus himself. Uh, He says, I'm leaving here in a short time. Uh, But however, uh, I will not leave you comfortless because he is a good, good father. Uh, And he says, I'm going to make sure uh, that you have everything that you need uh, while you're here. Even though life is but a vapor, uh, 
even though it's just for a moment of time, uh, he says, I will not allow the enemy to have the opportunity to gain an inroad with you uh, because in my goodness, I'm going to make sure uh, that everything that you need uh, is available for you. Uh, and he says, it's going to come down from the Father above. Uh, and he says, listen, uh, when the comforter comes, or if you want to call him the Holy Spirit, uh, or you want to call him the Holy Ghost, I don't care what you call him. Uh, you just got to acknowledge who he is. Uh, can I tell you that when he comes, uh, he says he's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. Uh, he's going to direct you. Uh, he's going to take you into a place where you will experience all truth. Uh, and that truth, part of that truth is this. Uh, no matter where you find yourself, uh, no matter what you find yourself facing, uh, it does not change the fact uh, that God is good. And it is also does not change the fact uh, that he is all power, uh, all authority, uh, and that there is no weapon formed against you that can prosper uh, because there is no authority above his authority. Uh, and his authority uh, is living and dwelling inside of you uh, because he says the same spirit that raised this body uh, is the same spirit that will be in your body. Uh, and can I tell you the goodness of God is uh, that you and I uh, are not just considered to be sons uh, but we are also heirs uh, and joint heirs uh, unto the throne of grace. Uh, and can I tell you, uh, in that throne, uh, in that heavenly realm, uh, it is a place of the ultimate authority. Uh, no darkness is there, uh, but this is a place of healing. Uh, it's a place of deliverance. Uh, it's a place of victory. Uh, it's a place uh, where you don't have to dread getting out of bed in the morning, uh, but you can say, you know what, if the Lord gives me tomorrow, uh, then tomorrow's going to be better than today. Uh, because my God is good. Uh, I may have to walk up a mountain. Uh, I may have to cross a valley. Uh, I may have to go through a desert, uh, but I know this truth. Uh, none of those things changes the fact uh, that my God is good. Uh, and Moses said, you know what? I know that you're good. Uh, I've been with you for the last 40 days up in the mountain. Uh, I've saw you like nobody else has saw you. Uh, and it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. Uh, Lord, I refuse to go anywhere uh, because I I've already tasted and seen that you are good, but Lord, I need you to show me your glory. Oh, I feel my preacher coming on this morning. Uh, you have to forgive me this morning. Uh, listen, uh, you and I today need to understand uh, in the midst of darkness, uh, in the midst of not knowing, uh, in the midst of the enemy saying it's all over, uh, I just got a simple message to tell you uh, that the God inside of you uh, is still good uh, and he's still powerful uh, and he's still more than able uh, to do what needs to be done on your behalf. How do you know he's good? Can I tell you he's good because that's who he is? But you say, okay, what's this all about? But if you fast forward a little bit out of the Gospel of John, and you get over into the book of Acts, 40 days has come and gone after the resurrection. Jesus has shown himself with many fallible proofs that he is the risen Christ. He's out by the seashore. There's about 500 people out there. And he's speaking to them, and he's getting ready to ascend into heaven to take his rightful place at the right hand of the Father. Now, as he's getting ready to do this, it says in Acts 1 verse 4, and been assembled together with them, he commanded them. He did not suggest. 
We all understand what the definition of the word command is, right? He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but that they should wait for the promise of the Father. What's the promise? It is the Comforter. It is the arrival of the Holy Spirit. He said, wait for the promise of the Father, which saith, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. Now, verse number 8, it says, But ye shall receive power. Tell your neighbor, say power. Say, so ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, what are you saying, preacher? What I'm saying today is simply this, that we find that when you get to Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, we find that those that had been standing on the riverbank or the seashore, whatever you want to call it, about 500 of them, he lost his gravity and he ascended into the heavenlies and there was, an, there was a message that was delivered, said, why are you standing here gazing in like manner? He will return. Now, I don't know why all 500 didn't stick around, but we find that on the day of Pentecost, 10 days later, there was roughly 120 people in an upper room. Now, I sincerely believe this. I don't have scripture for this, but I sincerely believe this with all of my heart, that there was a large, vast number of that 500 that went to that upper room in Jerusalem. But you have to realize that what we, when they got there, it was a time of festivity. It was a time of movement. It was a time of a lot of celebration going on. And I believe that when they got in that upper room, they thought it was going to happen right now. I know none of you ever think when God tells you something, it's going to happen like right now. I know none of you battle that. But they got there. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. And I just, in my mind, I... I picture people saying, well, I don't know what he was talking about. We're, we're going to go down there and we're going to have a good time. And they reverted back to what they'd always done and they kept going down the high. I can just picture them walking. Small group here, small group there, just going down those steps, going back out into the streets of Jerusalem. But it says that when they got in one mind and one accord, there was 120 that was there. On the day of Pentecost, there was a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it came and it sat down on cloven tongues like as a fire. And it began to empower and equip them in such a manner that a man that 50 days prior to that, a little over 50 days prior to that, was out there cursing and saying, I don't know who he is. But he had went outside and wept bitterly after he had heard that old rooster crow. And he stood up and he began to preach a powerful message and said, these men are not drunk as you suppose, but seeing is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which the prophet Joel spoke of that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Can I tell you what he was simply saying is this, we're experiencing the goodness of God because that which he said he would do, he is doing in this moment of time. And they begin to experience and see the glory of God. What am I saying this morning? Notice with me, you and I are in a place right now where just like Moses was in Exodus 33, he says I will not move I will not go without your presence we're in a place right now where we cannot afford to move 
without the presence of God. And can I tell you today, Jesus is not going to step away from the right hand of the throne in heaven and come down here and do something in the form that he did then because when he went up, he high-fived the Holy Spirit as he is coming down, and the Holy Spirit is present, and everything that is done right now is done and by through the Holy, Holy Spirit of God. Can I tell you, if you want his presence, you have to choose to walk with his Spirit. And that is where God is calling us to today. I had the privilege to preach to a whole bunch of preachers this week. And I didn't want to preach what I had to preach, but I knew that I had to obey the Lord. And can I tell you, it's not any fun to stand in front of a bunch of your peers and tell them and preach on repentance and wounds and forgiveness. Can I tell you, when you and I begin to flow and walk with the Spirit of God, God does what we cannot do. And we witness hundreds of people begin to weep and cry and watch God begin to heal and restore wounds i had one individual come up to me and fall in my arms this week he's a dear precious man that i just recently met he walked up to me tears in his eyes and he says i'm going to share with you something that no one else knows he said i have carried this for 53 years 53 years please hear me Served the Lord ever since he came back from war. 53 years ago. Traumatic things happened and transpired in his life on the battlefield. Carried it. Tried to bury it, it would resurface. Tried to bury it, it would resurface. But because of the goodness of God, I witnessed a man that has served God, but said, I've never, never really been forced to have to face the wound. And he began to weep and cry, and we watched God supernaturally heal a man that had been bound for 53 years. And I can take no credit for that because, can I tell you, it wasn't because Ron or anybody else was in the room but it was because the presence of the Holy Spirit was in the room. And that is one of many, many stories I could stand here and give you today that we witnessed just this week because of the goodness of God. In our culture, if we're not careful, we reference the Holy Spirit of God in very unbiblical manner and very unbiblical terms, but today can I tell you that there is some divine characteristics of the Holy Spirit that you and I need to understand today. In Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, he's called God. In Genesis 1 and 2, he's called the Spirit of God. We know this, that in Hebrews 9 and 4, he's considered to be eternal. We know Romans 8 and 2, he's, he's self-existent. We know he's omnipresent, according to Psalms 139. 
We know he's sovereign by Zechariah chapter number 12. We know that he was involved with creation in Genesis 1 and 2. We also know that he enabled the writing of the scriptures in 2 Peter 1 and 21. We also know that he helps us recognize the glory of God when you read 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. What am I saying this morning? He also enables us to call upon Jesus as our Lord and Savior, according to 1 Corinthians 12. You say, why is all of this important? Can I tell you, in a culture today that tells you everything is acceptable and you don't necessarily need this or you don't necessarily need that, please hear me. You and I need to understand what Moses understood in Exodus 33. He says, I cannot leave this place without your presence. We are stepping into a time and a season right now where the church needs to hear this very clearly. I'm thankful for salvation. I'm thankful for everything that that entails. But I'm also thankful that the goodness of God did not just stop there. But he says, I also am going to equip you to be witnesses for me. Meaning this, that I'm going to give you the tools that is needed so that you can reach your family, so you can reach your community, so you can reach your nation and the nations of the world. He says, I do not expect you to do that by yourself, but I am going to let my goodness be present in your life, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a few things that we need to know today concerning the Holy Spirit. I'm going to bring this to a close very quickly this morning. One of the very first things that the Holy Spirit does in all of our lives is this. He makes known the presence of Jesus Christ. Do you know this morning that right now while we're sitting in this room, the presence of the Lord is here? They used to sing a chorus, the presence of the Lord is here. The presence of the Lord is here. I can feel Him in the atmosphere. Please hear me. His primary work in our lives and the world for that matter today is to bring us into a place where we experience the presence of God. I want to ask you this morning, do you visit His presence or do you live in His presence? I'm thankful that I don't have to wait till I get here to be in His presence, but I'm thankful that driving down the road, I'm in His presence. I'm thankful that while I'm doing whatever I'm doing throughout the day, I'm in His presence. Why? It's because He lives and dwells here. And it's become so looked over today in our culture that we have failed to teach a generation the importance of having a spiritual experience with the Holy Ghost of God. I'm not Holy Ghost or nothing, so don't get too radical on me today. But I'm here to tell you why is it that we will settle for less of God when we can have more of God? Meaning this. Not that we get into a place where we have good works, that we get more, better, better, better. No, no, no. It's when we open ourselves up to all that He has. Because right now, if you're saved, the Spirit of God is living and dwelling inside of you. Don't misunderstand. But at the same time, there's a gift called the Holy Spirit that He has released from the heavenlies for every one of us in this room. 
and it will empower us and equip us. And please hear me, it makes us more like Him. I heard a pastor friend say this recently, and it, was, it stuck so strongly in my spirit. I said, I'm going to remember that. They said, you know, when Jesus came walking up to the Jordan River, and John saw him, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Anybody ever remember reading that? And he said, I need you to baptize me. He said, I'm not even worthy to unlace the shoes that you got on. And he said, you need to baptize me. But when he did, if you'll remember that when he brought him up out of the water, there was a dove that came and sat down upon him and said, and it was a confirmation. There was a voice from the heavens that said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. The dove in that particular passage is a picture, a representation of the Holy Spirit of God. So it wasn't just the voice of the Father and it wasn't just the Son, but the Holy Spirit was present at that time. So why is it that when the Holy Spirit come and settled down upon Jesus, it was in the form of a dove? It's simply because of this. And I thought, this is so profound is that there was nothing that needed to be consumed in him because he was already pure. But when you fast forward to Acts chapter 2, and the Holy Spirit comes, because anytime you look in your Bible, if you see a dove, if you see oil, if you see fire, you're really talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. So why is it in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit comes and settles down upon the 120, that there's a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and there was cloven tongues as a fire that set on them. Why wasn't it a dove? It's because you and I are just flesh. We live in this flesh, and there's some things that needs to be burnt up in us. There's some things that need to be purified in us. So can I tell you, one of the reasons that I believe that we need to get back to a place where we're teaching the baptism of the Holy Spirit is available for every believer is because this. God wants this gift to bring purity and purging into our lives so that we can be more like Him. Because how many knows when we're more like Him, what happens is this gift purges us, it cleanses us, and it promotes holiness in our lives. Why is it that we see such a struggle with that in our culture today? What I'm saying this morning is this. They want to come to the music. I'm going to close very quickly for a time of prayer. Moses says, I will not go. I need you to show me your glory. He says, I can't settle for what I sense right now because I've already tasted and seen when I was there and I need you to come and go with me. Today, our world is upside down in so many things. But what is so disturbing is that we also see the church world is so upside down in many things. The goodness of God this morning is this that he says I'll never leave you I'll never forsake you but I'll be with you always even to the end how can he make that statement is because Jesus said as we read in John chapter 14 or 15 this morning he says when he comes this spirit will be with you forever Not only 
when the Holy Spirit comes, He makes us more like Christ, but He helps us to walk with greater understanding of who Christ is and what His Word really means. But also it calls us to a place of action. Calls us to a place of duty. This morning, we desperately need an empowering for the servicing of the Lord. I don't know where you may be this morning. I don't know what you fought through. I don't know what you're battling. I don't know what you're experiencing today. If you're allowing the world to speak into your life, I'm telling you, you're probably sitting here burdened down and overwhelmed and saying, oh, what's going to happen? I try to be a good student of what's going on just because of everything that we try to be involved in, but this week alone, I was... I was alone. I was in a corner. I was praying. God was moving in a room where I was at. All of a sudden, with no... show you how good God is. All of a sudden, the Lord just deposited something, and I thought I was crazy. None of you have never been there, I'm sure. But the Lord said, don't join yourself with that. He said, because what I'm getting ready to do, that does not need to be named among you. He said, don't join yourself with that. And on the outside of it, it didn't look bad. I still don't even think it's bad. It was in operation. It was moving. The Spirit of the Lord was in the room. The Lord said, don't join yourself to that. I walked over and I talked to Debbie later and I said, I don't know what it is, but the Lord said this, and I'm just telling you this just because I want somebody else to know and to validate that. And I said, I think time will tell. And I said, so we're not going to do that. I come home and a young man that I have met twice the only reason that he has my phone number is because I deposited into him because I felt like I needed to by the unction of the Lord and I'd given him a book and he had texted me one time thanking me for that and I had not heard from him since mid-morning Thursday morning my phone goes off and this young boy has no idea so young people I'm telling you it doesn't matter how young or old you are but this young guy is about 19 years old he has no idea what I'm doing where I'm at what I'm doing mid-morning he sends me a text says good morning pastor gives me about three Bible verses and then at the end of it he says one last thing the Lord says don't join yourself with that 
because if you seek me, I will make every provision known that you need in this season. That is the goodness of God. It's not necessarily about good and evil all the time. It's not necessarily about is that sin or is that not. I'm going to tell you something. There's sometimes God by his Holy Spirit wants to pull you into a place and says, I'm getting ready to do something fresh in your life. And I sincerely believe this today. That God is getting ready to pour out a fresh breath of Holy Ghost power in this nation and other nations because he's getting ready to release and he's getting ready to let people see not part but all of his goodness meaning this he is going to transition us from glory to glory to glory For the last few days, I've been alone, sitting in my office, trying to get the mind of the Lord, and the Lord has absolutely turned everything upside down that I thought I was doing, and what I would be doing in the next week in the Middle East. And the Lord, I began to set my spirit, and I, I don't know, we'll find out this week for sure, but in a week we'll be leaving, Lord willing. And I sincerely believe. I sincerely believe that there is a wave of revival that's getting ready to hit that part of the world that the world is not expecting. And I'm standing here telling you this morning, you might as well get ready because God's getting ready to do the same thing in this house and other houses of worship. And we need to prepare because of the goodness of God. And here's the prayer tonight that needs to be from all of our lips is this, Lord, show me your glory. Moses, because of you I'm going to respond and I'm going to remember this nation I'm going to remember these people and I'm going to go with you because there is a remnant of people and I, I think I can say this with quite certainty today because there is a remnant of men and women that has a heart turned towards God right now that's saying show me your glory when judgment should come the Lord says I'm going to breathe on you one more time and I'm going to go with you this is not a political statement but this is something that I ran across and I think it's very powerful in the House of Representatives, we went 22 days without a speaker. A man of God is now sitting at the highest office in that chamber. But get this, if you're into numerology, if you go take the number 22, you take it back to its original form, you will find this, that the number 22 is simply this, it is a gift from God when we deserve judgment God says because somebody's calling out to me I'm gonna give you a gift that you didn't even think about having 
You can say that's coincidence if you want, and that's all right. And I know it's kind of quiet and a little different this morning, but standing where I'm sitting, I feel the power and the anointing of this Holy Spirit on my life this morning. Listen, I am not looking for an outburst of emotion. If that comes, so be it. I'm not looking for somebody to get goosebumps, so be it if you do. But what I'm looking for is a man or a woman that says, God, I will not move from where I am unless you show me your glory. Uh, and when you begin to do that, you will experience the goodness of God. And when the goodness of God comes by, uh, can I tell you, uh, it changes everything. Uh, a nation that was about to be consumed uh, in judgment, God says, I'm going to breathe on you one more time. Uh, I'm not just going to give you the promise, uh, but I'm going to go with you into the promise. Uh, I got to tell somebody this morning uh, that God's about to go with you. Uh, if you just call out to him, uh, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Uh, doesn't matter what it sounds like. Uh, but what I'm here to tell you uh, is my God is good. Uh, and he says, I still with you this morning. As we stand all over the house uh, this morning, I got so much. Listen, I'm on page five, and I think I got 25. Uh, but listen this morning. Uh, please hear me. Uh, the goodness of God, the goodness of God, the goodness of God, uh, the goodness of God uh, is for the one that will simply say, show me your glory. So maybe your world's upside down. Maybe everything's coming at you from every angle. Just stand and say, Lord, show me your glory. Get this, Moses didn't ask to see the goodness. He said, Lord, just show me your glory. And the Lord says, I will let you see all of my goodness. You can't look on my face, but I will let you see my backward parts. Now get this. He had been with him for 40 days in a cloud hovering. He had saw the finger of God in grave stones. Exodus 33, the Lord says, I love you so much. I'm going to show you. I'm going to put you over here in a cliff of the rock. I'm going to put my hand on your face. I'm going to cover your face. And as I walk by, I'm going to remove my hand. And I'm going to let you see the backward part. Now, that's pretty powerful. But when you jump into Acts chapter 1, in Acts chapter 2, there ain't no talk about, you can only see the backward part, but he simply said that he will send him, he the Holy Spirit. He didn't say, I'm just going to send his backward parts. He said, I'm going to send all of him. And that which they got with measure in the Old Testament, we get without measure in the New Testament. So therefore, when Jesus comes in, Listen, he saw all of the goodness, uh, but we get to walk in all of the goodness. He just got to see it. Uh, we get to live in it. Uh, can I tell you, uh, I don't just want to see it on somebody else, uh, but I want it to be right here. Uh, can I tell you, uh, it's wonderful that you can say, man, I was in the house of God and it was shaking and vibrating. Uh, but what about you shaking and vibrating with the power and the anointing of God uh, in such a manner uh, that there's a boldness, uh, that there's a proclamation of the Spirit that begins to come from you in such a manner uh, where you shake off everything and say, God, I I am yours. This morning, can I tell you, 
Acts chapter 2, they was filled. Acts chapter 4, they was refilled. You find all throughout the book of Acts, the Spirit of God kept coming and pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring. But I got to remind you, he said that there is coming a time in history where that of the former and that of the latter will come down together at the exact same time. Can I tell you, that's where we're entering into right now. So if you're in this room and you say, I need God, I need God to show himself mightily in my life. And I desire him to. I'm going to ask you, are you willing to simply say, Lord, show me your glory? Because I sincerely believe today he's willing to pour out his spirit upon all that will believe and put their faith and trust in him. Right now, if there's something in your life that you want victory over or victory from, I'm going to ask you to come stand in the front of this building with me. Maybe you're under the sound of my voice and you say, I experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you say it's kind of dormant in my life. I've not flowed in it, not been with it. Can I tell you, I want you to come. But maybe you're here this morning, never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you say, I want that gift that God has for me. I want you to come as well right now. Feel in the front of this church this morning. Because I'm here to tell you, God wants to speak to our lives. He wants to empower us. He wants to equip us. He wants us to receive the goodness of God this morning. As they just begin to minister in song right now. Here's what I want. I want some of you men of God, women of God. I want you to come and stand behind those that's in the front of this building right now. We're going to pray together. We're going to believe God. Don't be shy. I don't know why we ever got to a place where we have to pull people to come pray for people. Can I tell you, we got to change that in this moment where we're at. We need to begin to intercede for our brothers and sisters today. And right now, I want us just begin to pray, and I want you to just begin to minister one to another right now. The goodness of God. Goodness. Hey, everybody. It's Pastor Jade Abrams here. I just want to thank you for watching and joining with us today. We're so glad that you chose to be with us. We just encourage you to stay in contact with us. Click, follow, subscribe on all of our social media platforms to stay up to date what's happening here at PTC. We bless you in Jesus' name, and we love you, and so does God. Have a good day.